0: There was a lot in that episode, and I probably could have listened to it again. Wow, I just tweeted. I said, yeesh, this is
1: going to be a monster of a recording session. We're starting an hour later than normal because dot, dot, dot. I was going to finish the thought, and I already got tweets back before I could even do the rest of it. Because gathering all the notes took so much longer this week, and I'm still not sure I have a solid thought about the show. Holly said, because it was such an emotional ride listening to that ep? And Bradley Fraser uh, replied, Needed to dry the tears. No shame. It hurts. It hurt us all.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. I love it.
1: Welcome to the We're Alive Fan Cast.
0: Mr. Redbeard, and Mick. Welcome to episode number 27 of the We're Alive Fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Alive podio drama. I'm Redbeard. And I'm Mick. Today we're covering Season 4, Chapter 42, Part 3, Chasing Ghosts. What happened? What
1: happened? And we found out what happened.
0: Spoiler warning.
1: Yeah. As you heard, we're covering Chapter 42, Part 3. And if you haven't listened to it, you'll want to go do that now and come back and listen to us after that. Yes. Yeah, let's see. Before I move into corrections, I just wanted to share with you guys. We met with Chris, or who also is JK West at JK West on Twitter.
0: Who also does the BSMG uh, blog and future podcast on McRed. Yeah,
1: it's cool for him to want to team up with us and do that. But he was passing through uh, passing through Little Rock, Arkansas, where we live. And he stopped by, and we had some lunch and had a nice talk. We actually, towards the end of our visit, I got the phone out and recorded it. I don't know if we'll ever release that conversation. It was part we're live, part just some guys talking. But it was really good meeting him. And so, like, like I was saying, if anybody's uh, passing through Little Rock, preferably around lunchtime or dinner or something we'd we'd love to, you know, hang out with you or say hi as you're coming through. Yeah, give us a shout.
0: Oh, good old corrections.
1: Yes, corrections. We've got uh, a few different corrections or more like clarifications in a few different areas. we live tweeted this during their listen through last week that Michael most likely won't be able to ID the behemoth at the waterworks. It was steamy. And he didn't get a, a close look. Steamy behemoth. Steamy behemoth. <laughs> he also said, "Factions? Question mark? Hmm. Well, one of you might be right." I went back to listen to that part So I was like, "Were we on separate sides of that? I thought we were both on the same side that we think there's factions." Uh, I'm on like, the side that you think there's said... factions, right?
0: Well, you know, I was questioning it after. We had him on the episode for whatever reason, and then, yeah, I went back and forth. I think less now,
1: uh, if we can remember to come back to this later, I think that less now than I did last week. And there's some reasons in this episode uh, for why I think, uh, why I'm less on the side of factions. But uh, we'll
0: get to that. It'd be really cool, but yes, I, for this probably the same reasons, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. Okay. Also, in the corrections, I think Casey pointed out something with the like. There may have been errors in my artwork progression or something we said about it. Do you have any notes on that? I didn't take any notes on that because
1: uh, Casey echoed, basically echoed back. I think I said that I may have said at one point that Bert was on the chapter thirty-seven artwork, and he was actually on the thirty-eight artwork. And this is I'm kind of confused here because. Casey replied back, "Well, you know, Bert was fixing the fifty cal at the beginning of chapter thirty-seven. Well, since he was parroting what I said, I don't know if he meant that he was doing it at the beginning of thirty-eight or not, because I thought Bert was already gone by thirty-eight. But I, I really can't remember that for sure. We'll have to go yeah. back and check.
0: And I didn't know if that meant that's what the cover art was for." But I'm still, I think there's dual meanings with a lot of things he does, so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think he throws in a lot of details to us that kind of, so nothing's set in concrete. Right. And I'm I'm glad to
1: hear that he listens to the feedback section. That's really cool, because he replied back that no gunfire was heard when they are driving away. Or, Darn. Uh, I, I guess that may apply to whenever they are fixing puck up and all that. So... Unfortunately, we learned today that, yeah, that's probably true. The next one is not a correction, but he did let us know, next week you'll have a lot to talk about. The runtime is about 28 minutes without the ad. That was him talking last week about this week. And And, boy, was it. Yeah, we're actually an hour later than our regular starting time right now because since we do record the day the show comes out, it just took that much more time trying to get anything out of, you know, trying to get some decent thoughts about what happened because so much happened. There was so (laughs) much information and it was, it built, it also built on so much other stuff that happened this season.
0: Oh, I know it it was insanity going back and trying to read notes on some of the information. It's like in school when you have the, that review week and you're going
1: over stuff you've covered before, but this wasn't just review week. This was review week and new stuff week. Oh, my goodness. On to iTunes reviews. We did get another one this week from Gloria's Goodness. And she titled hers Real Fans and gave us five stars. And uh, that was written January 30th. She says, it's nice to hear the enthusiasm these guys have for the We're Live audio show. I wish I had discovered them at their start to share in real time. In their inside looks and great interviews with the casts, uh, cast, keep up the good work. Thanks, Gloria. You hopped in at the right time. I mean, we're still going. We got half a season and I can tell you, I'm more excited
0: now <laughs> than I've been <laughs> probably for the entire series. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge thank you to everybody that's ever gone out and reviewed us and sending feedback. We really appreciate it. Yeah. That's right. There's 21 ratings. I think there's actually 19
1: written reviews. So the wow, I mean, that's amazing. Redbeard, I am scared to get into scene by scene coverage because (laughs) there's so much stuff here. I'm not gonna be able to do it justice.
0: No, there's no way we can cover it all. There is no way we're gonna cover it all. I mean, it's just it's impossible.
1: I tried to make some like we do all the time. I tried to you know just bold out some sections in here to Mm -hmm. to make sure to bring up, but I'm not gonna get all the
0: all the key stuff. I know. I'm going to power through the scene and then we could talk about details at the end of that scene. I think it's probably the best way we're going to be able to handle it. Sounds good to me. It's it's insane. But before we get there, this is not really news, but it's cool stuff that I'm going to include in the show notes and links and things you guys can go visit. Tony Ray has... He plays Robinson. Yes. He has posted some really cool stuff up on Twitter here recently, and it's, I guess, it's kind of fan art, and uh, one today was, I think it was today, was uh, someone who created their own cover art for the chapters, and what they are is minimalist posters of We're Alive theme stuff, and so I'm going to post a link that, to that, and then there's another one where I think his name is Jason Venues, and he's got a really cool drawing of the modded gun being used. I don't know if it's dot two or if it's Saul, but it's one of the two. It looks really cool, and he's got a video of it being created up on YouTube. So, again, I'll put those links in the show notes so you guys can check them out.
1: Yeah, that was pretty uh, amazing watching that video and how he did that.
0: Yeah. So, if you guys can, go out there and like the video and possibly subscribe to it. To his YouTube channel.
1: I'm sure he'd appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Into that scene by scene coverage. And because this episode is so long, I'm gonna go ahead and put up front how we broke the episode apart. So it makes it a little bit easier to follow. And we broke it down into three main scenes. And that's the arrival to the to the jail. And kind of the going from reception to Tower 1. And then the second scene that we're going to break down is the Tower 1 to the solitary confinement hall. And then the escape from the jail itself. Ready for chaos. (laughs) (laughs) So the soldiers arrive through the backloading dock of the jail. And it's established that Tower 1 is the men's... uh, what do you, It's not a ward. What tower? What do you yeah, the men's tower, and Tower Two is the females. Their primary mission is to search out records on ink. We hear uh, Carl's serious voice. So by this point, I was already guessing that the situation was going to get tense. Mm-hmm. And we almost immediately get a, re- uh, a reference back to the artwork about the duct tape being used to mark their way through the jail's hallways. There's a ton of hallways in this jail. Did you get the sense of that? Yeah, I figured that was a a labyrinth. That's the, that's the same word I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so they're making their way to the reception area, and there's a lack of information about ink due to the computerized records. So it's kind of a wash at this point. There's nothing really gained from this. Puck is saying we, that they should head back. And the only reason I bring this up is because this is kind of the turning point of the entire thing. Muldoon wanted to check out the cell blocks and is, that thought's backed up by uh, Robbins. And Carl just sounds like he's there for the ride. <laughs> Puck seems nervous about this, though, and I kept thinking about Michael saying, don't take any risk. Oh, nice. have listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to loop back through the loading dock to get to Tower 1. So, I guess this is like a. They went in through the loading dock and went in to like a central area between the two towers where this reception area is. Um, on their way back, the keys were in the door leading to the lockup area in Tower 1. They grabbed them, kept them. They found an arms room of sorts, but it's full of non lethal weapons, uh, tasers, rubber bullets, and grenades. But, they ditched the CS because it didn't work at Irwin. I thought that was an interesting yeah, note. that was. <laughs> <laughs> it did not work. It hurt us. <laughs> at the end of the hall were barred doors. At this point, you know, the, it, it's important to note that they opened them. They didn't have a problem getting through there. There was a locked room, but Robin said it wouldn't open. And if you listen closely, he says, like, there was something on the other side. Yeah. There is a smell of death before entering the next room, and after they get in there, they uh, there are thirty to forty bodies in the room rotting, and they're all prisoners. Uh, the room had been barricaded shut, but something busted through the room anyways. So it sounded like Robbins was on point,
1: right? You got right. that? So Robbins is on point, and I was kind of picturing like a diamond formation with Robbins in front, and Muldoon and Carl. Uh, on the side points of the diamonds, and since Puck, you know, said y'all look left and right, and then Puck's in the back and he's laying down the duct tape. I thought that was nice, trying to picture them moving through the uh, the jail like that. Um, we talked about marking the path with duct tape. It was great to get that nod, so we know where the album art came from. And you were spot on that they were floor tiles. Sweet. Uh, I have a note that says, "Lol, paper, paperless government." <laughs> yes that's funny um,
0: we should record a tirade of an individual you know
1: <laughs> yes that's exactly what I thought about <laughs> okay and Carl Muldoon were talking and one of them said uh, wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the biggest jail and I, I made a note to look that up because that struck me And so I did look it up, and on the LASD website, Los Angeles, I guess it's something, something, I'm not sure, it says that it is the world's largest jail, the Twin Towers Correctional Facility, as well as the nation's largest mental health facility.
0: What? Yes, sir. Is it, I wonder if he, uh, if Casey means for that to be a mental health facility in in, in the show. I remember there being something about... I thought there was a, a mental health place. thing earlier earlier on right when they in like the opening episode, they referred to a mental health facility or a mental hospital a ways away from the armory. yeah, I don't oh. know
1: I don't know if he means it I would figure they would bring it up, and he may not have put it in there because there was a little bit of backlash he got from him mentioning anything about mental health earlier on really but more about this twin uh towers correctional facility you know casey knows about this he knows a lot about the insides he spent a little bit of time inside a few years back way? yeah he uh he got busted on a shoplifting charge one time What? yeah and they they thought he was somebody else and they thought he was you know in there for a drive by and so they blocked him in there for a while when there was a big misunderstanding and they got him out but, no, I'm just messing around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: No, that's completely going,
1: bogus. I hope nobody stopped the show right there and was just going to think Casey spent time there. <laughs> My next note is uh, we're talking about the outbreak of their own. You know, when I think Pucks or somebody said they had an outbreak of their own <laughs> in the jail. And so I was imagine, imagining a short story based on the defense and fall inside the prison and how great that would be.
0: That would be pretty cool.
1: It could just be, you know, a chapter-long story, a side story, where we meet new characters and see them die, but unfortunately. But, you know, still, it would be
0: very heroic and just crazy story. So now we have the arrival at the three-way split in the hall. Uh, they enter into the solitary confinement wing, and the what that part of the show is funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the solitary confinement wing. Uh, the door to the hall is broken, and then uh, we're I basically broke this down. This is Hall One. I'm referring to kind of just sequential order of where they went. The doors to the cells are broken, except for one, which has a body rotting inside. Each door had a marking. And each is different, uh, and a few of them matched uh, inks tattoos. So I'll just go through these real quick. There's three lines. The first, okay, the first marking is three lines with an arch, and uh five lines of a fan coming to a point. I have no idea what this one is. Do did you do you know what any of these mean? Uh, I have a I have notes on the other ones. Yeah, but do you have notes on this one.
1: On this one, no, but. The way I'm picturing it it's from the from the bottom up the point would be at the bottom, and then they're fanning up into the arch, so it would look just basically like a fan if you opened it up with the bottom facing down, and hmm. you've got an arch going across the top of that naturally, just like when you open a fan, there's an arch right there, and then three lines on top I don't know I have no idea I'd have you know if google go- if Google goggles worked better and I could take a picture of a drawing of it. That's about, you
0: know, all I can do with that. That's a good idea. I might have to toy with that this week. (laughs) And if anything comes up, I'll, I'll post it in a separate posting, but I couldn't find anything else on it. I tried looking for different like runes and stuff like that to see if they matched up with anything or, you know, voodoo or what was the other one? The Bosnian symbols and stuff, the tattoos. Yeah. I couldn't find anything. The next one was the fish on fire. And again I could not find anything on this one. You? No,
1: uh nothing. I mean I other just did, than I did like five second googles on each of these really. Because there was so I'm... much else to do.
0: I, I could make some assumptions, but I mean that's all they would be. I didn't know if this was a reference to a fallen god or something like that, but I, I have no idea. That's your guess is as good as mine. The next one is the snake. Now the snake is a symbol for fertility it could be a guardian or rebirth then the rebirth and the guardian thing i can kind of see because they fall into the next couple of meanings of the symbols but the rebirth really makes sense too because well they're freaking zombies <laughs> <laughs> you have any notes no i didn't i didn't have any
1: notes on these at all on this one or the bird foot that's up next now who do, who was in these cells did you get that on these we don't have any mention of who they were okay let's make it sure that we don't know who or what was in these
0: nope just some just some good old inmates um so the bird's foot or a bird's claw i don't know which to refer to it as it's and there's several different meanings but this usually represents a a a hunter a symbol for protection or defense and then another one, like, if it's a tarot reading, it, it's all, it kind of falls in the same kind of meaning, but it, it, if you're having a dream, I guess you're supposed to be careful or watchful or on guard. So I wonder if these are kind of the guardians of the, you know, a guardian symbol for the zombies. I don't know. I, I really, I could make all sorts of assumptions, but. Right. Who knows? My, and the, of course, my biggest assumption is
1: it's something for ink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's everybody's.
0: I mean we're
1: something for eight. Uh, we're by also ink, trying to rash.
0: Ration- <laughs> yes. One leader, you're a leader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, to a degree, I mean how I don't know how far we can take any of this because we're trying to rationalize the crazy. So Right. Yeah. Now the next symbol is a cross with a triangle. And what I found on this one is it represents order. Hmm. And so I don't know if this has to do with some kind of hierarchy with ink and Wait, his menus. You mean to represent
1: order or used by the Golden Dawn to represent the order of the Golden Dawn?
0: No, I found several references that all tie to this simple symbol meaning meaning order. I saw several things. Someone said the Red Cross uses this symbol to a degree, and like I, I don't know. There's a bunch of nutcases out huh.
1: there. Because, that... I mean, directly off of. a a mystic wikia. It says the cross and the triangle is a symbol used by the Golden Dawn to represent the order. The order of the Golden Dawn.
0: What is the Golden Dawn? Well, um, let me...
1: Please elaborate. I'm curious. Established in London in 1888, a mystical fraternity bringing together influences from Kabbalah, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, and... Theosophist. So, yeah. But what it says here is the symbol represents illumination through life represented by the symbolism of the crucifixion wherein the self-sacrifice of one brings equilibrium and, har- and harmony to all.
0: Oh, well, that fits. Kind of, maybe.
1: So, what, the self-sacrifice of one being who?
0: I don't know. Because what I kept yeah. thinking about during this was... Did Ink
1: self-sacrifice himself in that van? That's a good and question. going to bring equilibrium and
0: harmony to all by killing everybody, <laughs> or just equilibrium and harmony to the Earth in general.
1: I said equilibrium. I'm reading it again now. It says, uh, "Wherein the self-sacrifice of one brings equilibration and harmony to all." Hmm. That's a new word for me.
0: Or is this all because his life is chaos? Right. Well, and the, okay, so the other thing I kept thinking about during this analogy or doing an analysis on these symbols was, again, we're talking about this starting here and him being this crazy force behind it. Now, this is the only place with behemoths and the numbered ones. So, ink is definitely behind that piece. But did he, how much did he have to do with the overall outbreak? Because it did happen elsewhere, like Hawaii. Right, and she's coming back to that. And Kalani says it was worse in Hawaii. So what's going on there? <laughs> so we still have a lot of questions. We got a lot of stuff out of this episode, though. Yeah. Like the the next symbol is the eye, the eye of Horus, or well, they refer to it as the Egyptian eye symbol. Um, I looked that up, and I just found kind of a generic definition. It and it said it standard for protection and good health, which I thought was ironic <laughs> with cancerous. Maybe knows. it was upside down or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a cancerous Yeti.
1: Right, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any notes on that one?
1: No, I just I took it at face value for this one.
0: He just liked it because it looked cool.
1: Right. Well, did he... Let's see. Did he say the all-seeing eye at the same time? Because that's something different than the Eye of Horus. I don't have I a note. I do have a note that he said though. Yeah, I thought I knew he said Egyptian eye. I just couldn't remember if he said the all-seeing eye because that's something totally different.
0: That's an Illuminati thing, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know. Like
0: the the eye on the dollar.
1: Right. That, that would be that eye, which is above a pyramid. So I could see how somebody hmm. would think Egyptian eye.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. I, I, this is the, this is the one I thought of as soon as he said it. But that's a good point. <laughs> I pictured I pictured the
1: all-seeing eye and then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, this is something totally different.
0: Hmm. But
1: yeah. Casey, which one is it? Eye <laughs> of Horus or the
0: all-seeing eye?
1: Above the pyramid on the dollar.
0: All I can think about is the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. We miss our Hobbit. Yes, we do. Okay, hall number two. This is where... Okay, the the doors are broken out which is opposite of the first hall where the doors are broken in. And all I could think about was your parallels between different things. And I don't know. The, the, it's way too much looking into it. No, but,
1: uh, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. I like it.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I do like the parallels between the two. There's further backs the experimentation stuff here in a minute. but So, in hall number two, each... Of the info, the, each of the cells have an info sheet on a clipboard, and they're ID'd by the number on their. I think it's on their cells as well as their uh, jumpsuits, and each one of the sheets have a handwritten note in black ink. Again, the doors are broken out on this one. <laughs> yes, so they they start labeling or not labeling. They start naming off the the sheets and whose names are on what. So the first one we have is Ernest Hafer, who is 37, and he was given somatropin, which is HGH, and folostatin, which is the protein for muscle growth. The next one is George Armstrong, who is 53, and he was given the stanzazolo, which is an anabolic anabolic steroid, and folostatin. Austin McKibben, and it is McKibben, it was very well pronounced by Robbins. Who is Arrowhead? Was given only fall of Satin. and there was a note on his about. Well, Robin says that he had maglocks on the door, and he's a uh, labeled as being combative and a spitter. <laughs> so I guess he's a very violent person. Then we have Clarence Cohen, who is the guy that gave Ink his tattoos, and the notes on his are illegible
1: yeah and they they call them scribbles, which call is, them, oh yeah, which is funny to me, and I bring this up because Deanna on Facebook she has a theory that Cohen is skittles, and so I just thought I found it funny that scribbles and skittles you know
0: i have mm-hmm. I have
1: no clue if it, if this is you know well, if because this is such a tin foil hat theory that I love. It'd be so cool if he if, if if it is Skittles, and he threw the little rhyme in there just for fun.
0: And, and it's funny that he was in solitary confinement for having paraphernalia or, uh, what was it, contraband. It was almost like he was being protected, so that would be he a had, very interesting way to look at Skittles. He had Skittles. People
1: were bringing him Skittles, you're not allowed to have those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would explain Skittles mental capacity being easily destroyed and i mean because if you witnessed that kind of thing that would be horrible and maybe made an agreement with ink i don't know i could see how that theory could hold up to some degree it holds uh like
1: i I thought it was funny you know and a neat theory and didn't think there was a chance of it being there and now i have i think maybe 10 percent chance which is like way more than what i thought before you know, and of course, no offense, Deanna, I don't think you would take it like that. But of course, I, I think you said your husband doesn't like the theory either. He's heard it so much.
0: <laughs> well, I'm in. <laughs> you're in.
1: You're gonna. You're so. You're gonna. You're gonna claim that one. No, I'm not gonna claim it. <laughs> well, not claim it as your own. But you're gonna
0: adopt it. Yes. Okay. I like that one. <laughs> it would just be interesting because we haven't heard enough from, about Skittles in a while, and. I want to know more of his backstory other than him being at Dunbar. Me too. (laughs) The next guy is Kenneth Terrell, and there are no notes on his sheet, and his door is still locked. And he's still inside. Dead. And Tanya makes a quick note that he is the control element of Ink's experiment. Yeah. They're really cool. The thinking going on in Ink's brain is pretty incredible for this. I mean, when you compare him to others,
1: yeah, it's outside, and this is this is this continues to get outside and further and further from the the regular zombie genre, which is you know it's cool for this story too. I like it. It's breaking expectations, and it's also using those expectations to tell one story we think we're being told, and then actually there's something else going on. In the background.
0: Yeah. At this point, when this is finishing up, yeah. everyone that's in the room with pucked back at the colony and uh, who's on the radio or phone or wherever the heck it is start to talk and make their guesses, and CJ interrupts them, saying that they can talk later. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, so she is interested in what this is all about. She does see this as valuable information. So I'm wondering how she's going to react after this is over about them continuing to pursue ink
1: good thought, good breakdown there hmm. for drama's sake i'm gonna i'm gonna guess he's probably gonna put a little bit of resistance up
0: mm. yeah, I think she's gonna want a fully developed plan and doesn't want people to charge into it right I because mean, at this point we got people that are just Able to do this at all that are in a soldier capacity would be Michael and Saul and Victor and Max. Max, kinda. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's there's not many left.
1: No, and I, I see what you're saying. And these guys get taken out and you don't have anybody left.
0: Oh, here with a good
1: experience left.
0: So, it's Puck goes back to his his story, and um, he's trying they he tried to call Kelly around this time to kind of relay some of this information they are found, uh, but they can't I, I guess because of the rebar and concrete, it's too thick mm-hmm. and uh, the signal can't get out, and it's around this time that they <laughs> note that they found a half turned uh, zombie, I guess he's. Possibly like the a behemoth in the making, but only half of him changed, and I guess he died. And that's got it to be a crazy looking thing because oh. I've never seen the bones are larger on one side than the other.
1: Yeah, and all, all I could think about when I heard this scene was, and anybody who's played Left 4 Dead 2 would know what I'm talking about. But there's a Charger zombie in that game where one side of him is like way bigger and stronger, like a behemoth. And then the other side's real skinny and tiny, and he lowers the one—he lowers that one big side and like rams people. And as soon as he hits them, <laughs> uh, he carries them in that same direction until he hits something.
0: I've seen that episode of Family Guy too, where it happened to Quagmire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was
1: the Charger zombie. That's right. Yep. He discovered <laughs> the internet. That was that was pretty funny. One...
0: Big, beefy arm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, family okay, Guy so, fancasts.
0: As soon as this started, it caught my attention. I was like, oh, where are they going with this? The numbers on the sheets corresponding to the inmates... Wait, wait, that's a rough note. Let me revise that in my head. <laughs> There starts to be talk of the numbers on the sheets corresponding to inmates, correlating to the little ones, and they're looking around at the numbers and they're they counted up to 27 and it sounded like there was still counting to be done. Then they open another hallway with their uh, they also have the doors busted open with at least 20 more in there with numbers. Hmm. So that would be 47 numbered ones. I was thinking, oh my god, this is crazy. Right. <laughs> but then they started talking about it, they said, well, number two at Boulder was a female. And they uh Well, no, they they first said that number two was in the in the jail and dead. But then someone pointed out, no, number two was a female that they found out in Boulder. And uh so the fact that there's a female numbered one, there's probably experimentations going on to in Tower 2. Right. Which is crazy, because they haven't even began to look in there. So, I think, is it Puck? He's saying that there's another one in, in a jumpsuit, numbered six, that is inside the jail and is dead. And we know that six as far as the numbered ones is already dead so this one the, these aren't the numbered ones these aren't the little ones right so they ruled that out pretty quickly i still think the numbered ones were created at the hospital and at the in the basement
1: right in the devil's workshop
0: right that's yeah.
1: that's what i'm thinking too and i i think maybe we're left to wonder that possibly there's some numbered ones that came from the women's side but i'm still i'm just going to go with I guess my gut or hunch that they were there, that they were, they were created
0: in the devil's workshop in the basement yeah. of the hospital. I think they were taken from the, from the maternity ward and raised by ink. Creepy.
1: That is pretty bad.
0: <laughs> and it's around this time that you can tell that the tension is ramping and they note that there are a lot of empty rooms and too few dead zombies, so that they're they're wanting to get out of there. So we start the escape. Any more notes for this last section?
1: No, we uh we were able to cover them all that all that I had here, all okay. that I had time to make here. Let me clear oh, that Lord,
0: up. I know. I'd so... love
1: to have looked deeper into all those symbols. Oh, I know. Would have been too. a lot of fun, and probably will do it anyways. But
0: yeah, and if if we find anything else between now and then, we'll post it in the notes. Uh, oh yeah, that's good. Uh, or a separate post altogether, but we'll, we'll we'll see. We got we got three weeks to deal with, so maybe we'll record another episode if we find anything just groundbreaking. Yeah, that'd be fun. So zombies are heard, and it is said that they are killing each other. Now this is where I started to think about the the little one jumping on the regular zombie at Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you think about this? Did you come to that conclusion too? I did. I did think about that as well.
1: And also more whenever we started talking factions earlier that it may not be factions. It could it could be um just the strong weeding out the weak because they're hungry and they're they're all that's left. Well, and I mean, it's less we... of a zombie deal and more of a um the bigger and faster things want to eat, and they're killing the
0: smaller and slower things. And we did mention a play of dominance, but we thought that might have played into the faction. So, I, I, yeah. I'd like there to be factions still, but. it Me too. I think that'd be really interesting. But is, it, is it Occam's
1: Razor, the simplest solution? It's usually the one, but of course, you know, probably doesn't always apply in fiction, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. It's definitely not
1: simple here. After we have something like the the arena, there's definitely a lot of intelligence and direction, you know, by Ink or whatever the main controlling zombie or creature is.
0: Yeah. What if Randy's controlling the whole thing? It's not really Ink.
1: Right. And then he would have been doing it before he was turned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So Which they're trying to take to pin- for a
1: great twist at the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they're trying to pinpoint where a noise is coming from and they say it's coming from everywhere. So this place is loaded up. Tower 1 and Tower 2 are two places I would not want to be. Not before and not after, definitely not after. No. The turn. <laughs> <laughs> so the mortar gun goes off and you hear it drop zombie number 1. And you hear Robin say, I love this thing.
1: <laughs> and I do too. We, we, This is the moment we get to see it actually go into action against the Behemoth.
0: Yes. And it does its job nope. in one shot. They do note that this one is shriveled in the middle due to starvation. And they note that there are bulges on its neck and arms. And in the background you hear Tanya say, the cancer. Right. And all I could think about is Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's cancer.
1: They're starving. I mean, yeah, right? And I'm glad he said that. I'm glad there was that little bit of exposition there of Puck or somebody saying, they're, you know, that they're starving. Because I was thinking, what is going on? And, then, oh, they're starving. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Zombie number two breaks through the wall. And it's a behemoth covered in bone spurs, I mean, to the fact that Puck says he doesn't even know how the uh the behemoth sees anything this thing I'm trying to picture it in my head just i don't know I don't even know what to make it look like. I'm I
1: wish picture it Google doomsday Superman doomsday, <laughs> if you okay, know what he looks on. like. it's the creature that killed Superman in the in the nineties and the death of Superman storyline. And he had bones growing out of his face, shoulders, elbows, knees, and he's also pretty much what I picture a behemoth to look uh, like, anyways, with all these bones. And uh, and just you know, to give Doomsday the props he deserves, it took two shots from the Matagun gun to take him down.
0: <laughs> that's interesting. Now, it's a rock yeti.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. Okay, cool.
1: Anytime I can bring it back to Superman, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it when it's not too much of a stretch. <laughs> I know, and with that
0: being Casey's favorite movie, I mean, we gotta—oh
1: yeah—gotta oh, yeah. gotta do it. Man of Steel, love. You guys heard it. <sighs> <laughs> I, I saw a new picture today of uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. That's great. Yeah, it incredible. was amazing. He's—he's he's gonna. It's, it's a, it was a strange casting sound at first, but it, I think it's gonna be the right one mm-hmm. and a really good one. Mark my words. Wait, wait till years still comes out. But <laughs> then after you see it, come back and listen to this.
0: Well, I'm still not s- sold on Ben Affleck being Batman. So
1: I, we'll see how many dreams I think it's going to be good since I think he's going to be an older, almost retired Batman or maybe post-retirement Batman, possibly. And also with the rumors are that he might be directing Justice League. That would be cool. He may be directing it. That's a, ru- a that's a rumor out there, because Zack Snyder's going to be busy with uh, post production on Man of Steel two or Batman versus Superman, whatever they're going to call it. Uh, so, Batfleck might be directing Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Batfleck.
0: <laughs> I, I'm just hoping for some congruency in the franchises from here on out. Oh yeah. Okay, so zombie number two that broke through the wall that has the bone spurs coming out of his head has also got one of the thickest coverings on a behemoth that has ever been mentioned. And uh the rounds don't really seem to penetrate very easily. Doesn't even seem to phase him. Right. And The first one. The second one took him down. The second one did take him down, yeah. Muldoon is trapped beneath the rubble and Robin starts calling for him by his first name, which is Greg. Yeah. And all I could think about, I mean, this was was a crazy scene, so on my second listen through, or third listen through, I think I had to make light of it. and I made a Fight Club reference to, we only have names in death. (laughs) But, uh, wow, I mean, Tony Ray, his performance in this scene is incredible. Incredible. really, really is. Uh had me choked up, man. And
1: humor me, Tony. Were you crying during this scene? Because I could picture you just drained and fully committed to giving you know, doing your work on this. I, I was kind of picturing like just like sweating, like pulling up the rebar and all that. You know,
0: You <laughs> did that with his man muscles. <laughs> <laughs> you just did a Masuka laugh. What you did? You did. That was great. <laughs> I nerded out, I'm trying, trying to bring Tony ray back up and
1: give you a little shot in the arm because it's getting late. Thanks, yes, sir.
0: Oh man, you did. You did great, though. And Carl did yeah. good. He sounded
1: like he sounded like it was really happening. Like he was really seeing what we were, you know, imagining based on the story here.
0: Wait, did you say Carl?
1: Yeah. Carl in the background.
0: Oh, okay, okay. He's narrating (laughs) anything. He did, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Muldoon is alive. Well, okay. Well, Robbins refuses to leave Muldoon behind and bends the rebar back to pull Muldoon off of it. This thing's impaled through him. Oh uh, yes. Now these walls are not thin. I mean it's or it's thick enough to cause radio reception to go to nothing. And this behemoth crashed through it and Maldoon. But he's still alive and says he can't move and for them to go.
1: Yeah, all the guys are just standing around like, oh no, oh no, oh no, and then the behemoth came in and was like,
0: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who wants some Kool-Aid?
1: <laughs>
0: and it doesn't seem like Robbins is going to take no for an answer on this one. He's he's like, we're all leaving here. This is not going to happen. About this time, zombie number three comes in and is taken down with a single shot from the Mata gun. Was this Puck or Carl that shot it this time? I I wrote Carl. I think it was Carl myself. But it's
1: it's kind of hard for me to tell in the action. It exactly
0: sound like they they traded off a couple of times, so I don't know. Zombie number well, if, four. If, if it's the one while Robbins is doing CPR, crying,
1: then um, and it's then because Puck misses that one,
0: right? Because no, that, of a bunch of this ones. is zombie number three. That's zombie number four. Okay, zombie number four. Muldoon is dead, and Robbins is. Performing CPR. I mean, right there in the middle of the chaos. This, at this point, I mean, his Tony Ray's performance is already incredible. And this was over the top. And, I mean, I'll be honest. It it brought a tear to my eye. It was was huge. It was moving. It was moving.
1: (laughs) You were crying. (laughs) You were moved. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, no, was I was not that. crying was <laughs> <laughs> <is> so good <laughs> god dang it <laughs> <laughs> messed up the whole momentum I was getting emotional again I know I was try, trying to
1: stop it man tears uh, is the saddest thing in the world
0: oh man they sure are any Walking Dead fans out there they know what I'm talking about oh yes so as Muldoon is performing CPR another zombie Comes in and uh, at this point, Puck shoots and misses as the z- zombie swinging at Robbins, uh, which kills him instantly. Uh, I mean, th- then there's several shots from a rifle. I'm assuming one of these is Carl and one of these is Puck. And uh, the shot from the monogun finally takes that zombie number four down. Hmm. And so now we're down to. Puck and Carl and they approach the gate that they had entered earlier and it's closed now, but Carl says that he had left it open before. So again, intelligence. Yes. Yeah, some intelligence happening here. Uh, zombie number five enters. It's the Yeti, the hairy one. <laughs> they describe this a little bit more and I could not help but think, I was like, this is a Yeti. I mean, this is perfect. It has teeth that point out of its face. And, has uh, blood covered arms reaching through the bars, which grabbed Carl, slamming him into the ground. Puck said, he wasn't gonna get it back up. I mean, it was, it must have looked pretty bad, cause he knew right away. He said it kept shooting and it did nothing, and it didn't phase the Yeti at all. And so he made a run for the truck. But the behemoth must have known where he was going, because it was, it arrived at the truck before Puck could even get there. And it's about this time the the behemoth smashed the truck in and then Puck. This next scene is terrifying. The behemoth comes up to Puck and is just staring at him. Close enough for Puck to smell his breath. So Puck takes the taser out of the bag and shoots it into the Yeti's face. Which I thought was great. And then he shoved the riot grenade into the mouth of the zombie, blowing his head off. That takes some real gumption to freaking put your hand inside of a yeti's arm into inside of a zombie's mouth. Goodbye, head. Man. So I guess those uh riot control grenades do uh have a have a use after all. Yeah, the concussive force, that's for sure. You know, Puck's talking about he crawled to the truck to call call uh, in for help on the radio. Michael interrupted and said, I am so sorry. When Puck replied with, I'm not done yet. Hmm. Like, what else could be said at this point? What else could have happened? And he said, there he was. and He's referring to Ink. And he said, Ink stared at him and smiled, then turned and walked away around the corner before Puck could squeeze off a shot. And he said, the... He's talking about the look on Ink's eyes. He said he knows exactly what he's doing. You need to kill him, Michael, or soon there won't be any of us left. I imagine we're gonna hear that next chapter. Yeah, I think so. You think they'll have the uh the firing squad?
1: Uh hopefully they'll go far enough away for the <laughs> at least they can get seven shots out of the gun. They could use that.
0: <sighs>
1: yeah, that's man. crazy, man. This is a rough it's so... <laughs> a rough little thing here. I've got a few different notes, but I kinda of just oh wow, well, I have more than I thought, but we talked about a few of them already. Robin's bending the rebar, trying to save Muldoon. What a way to go out!
0: I'm telling you, man, that was incredible.
1: And I'm this. We're gonna come back to his performance just because, for a guy who does improv and comedy, he just he excelled in this dramatic and emotional scene. And he just really had a lot more than he was showing us for the rest of the show. And he let it all uh, let it all out
0: for us here in
1: this show today.
0: Oh, wow, that dude's got a ton of potential. He's one to watch after this show's over.
1: Definitely. If he's looking around trying to trying to do something, I mean, this listen to this episode. It's got everything. And same with the other guys, too. Uh, Muldoon and Carl both knocked it out of the park.
0: Oh, that's one of my next notes, man. I mean, there were some great jokes and one-liners in this episode, but man, it, it, it was hard to relax and
1: laugh. <laughs> yeah, it was tense, because... You knew that something bad was going to happen. I kind of tried to hold that hope as long as I could.
0: Uh, It's just, it got dashed. (laughs) Tony Ray and Brett Newton, Brett Newton plays Puck, did a great job with this. And then, I mean, Brett Newton did all the narration and then the acting scenes too. I mean, it's just such a great way of telling the story. And, I mean, I don't know, it was phenomenal. I, I loved it. So you know what my rating is for the week. I told you I'm Hold not going to change let's, this anyways. Let's get to
1: it. Let's, get, let's finish up. I've uh, got a few more notes here.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to go ahead and drop your rating? Go ahead. I told you before that I'm not changing it anymore. Oh, There's all the haters out there. It's five from it's here on out. Five from here on out. Five. It's going to be the worst episode ever, and it'll be five. Because they don't exist.
1: I'll talk a little bit more about mine. Uh, <laughs> and... Just how much of a five it is here in a minute, <laughs> but uh, let's see. I had a to the face uh, reference for the puck tasering to the face. Nice. Some hangover.
0: <laughs> hey, fat, Jesus. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, said, he just yells that to the face. That's great. <laughs> for a for a brief moment there, whenever the gate was closed, you know when ink came out. I was picturing the gate closed and there's somebody staring at him and then just the tear and what what it would be like if it was Carl, zombified Carl standing up and looking at him. But thankfully it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know if it's, no. I don't know if we're thankful or not. But it was ink. And what's he doing smiling? I mean, come on. Messing with us here.
0: We probably don't have to worry about the ones Smashed up in there, turned into zombies at all because the ones that are still the zombies that are still alive are starving. Right, they're gonna eat them up, and this is,
1: and it's getting further. Like I said already, it's getting further from that traditional zombie tale of the zombies biting and turning people. They're just straight killing them, and yep. they're not coming back. Gotta get the sustenance. Right, And that's kind of what. I mean, that's one of the questions you have. And if you're watching zombie stuff, is like, how come there's so many zombies? Because the way you see zombies eating, there's not a whole lot left. So, how come there's so many zombies that aren't completely eaten?
0: You know, I've always wanted a zombie story to have this angle it is what happens when there's so few humans left that there's nothing there for them? And right. This is getting right into that. It is. Probably see more
1: and more of it. And, yeah, I guess... I mean, I don't have anything else as far as any good analysis except to to talk about the eyes, man. He knows what he's doing. Dude's smiling. That's freaking freaky from a zombie.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, There there were a truckload of details in this episode. A lot of stuff got answered. There was a behemoth smashed, tipped over truck full of episode. You know, we talked about the the drugs earlier that were used in the experimentation. And, it, you know, we don't know some of the details about two or three of them, but they were all given falstatin, So that seems to be the, the big one in it for, uh, and it sounds like it's primary purpose is to grow the behemoths.
1: Right. So, and maybe using my layman's understanding of cancer, uh, maybe that helps explain some of that stuff too. Cause it's just, well, that gives Everything it its
0: crispy candy shell. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because everything's just growing out of control since myostatin, which inhibits the growth, isn't, is being silenced or whatever's happening with it. Yeah.
0: Really cool episode.
1: Very good, very good. Let's see. Uh, we don't have to play the what did this chapter bring us too much. As much as I'd like to, I didn't actually get a chance to get too much into it. Because it had to take so many other notes, unfortunately.
0: I mean, <laughs> it just... told us what the drugs were doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, we had uh, part we one, know... Chasing Ink's Ghost, Chasing Scratch's Ghost, possible death of all Irwin military guys. Part two, Austin McKibben, Arrowhead Behemoth, and the experiments at Twin Towers Jail. We knew we were going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Part three, we did get we... further into it. We know where Ink is and what he's been up to. We know where he's at. Yep, that's good. We know that. I'm gonna type here to write it down. Um, Madagun is successful against behemoths. Mmm, very. Yes, extremely. I also liked. We didn't talk about it, but I also liked how Robbins knew he couldn't shoot. They're so like Robbins. What do you, you know? Shoot him, basically. And robbins like, "I've got to wait, and he's not close enough, and they're just you just hear boom, 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 it's like you're just waiting for this thing to get ten to fifteen feet oh man for this thing to get ten to fifteen feet in front of you
0: and you only got seven shots in that thing, right, holy cow
1: <laughs> I think it came down. I tried to count, I think he had one left at the very end. He either had one left or he had none left.
0: Hold on, I could tell you real quick. Yeah, okay, he had one left, and then he... Yeah, because he shot a... six times. He had one round left. That was it. Yeah, saving that for himself, maybe. I don't know. Man. Let's see. No,
1: I don't think he's saving it for himself. But, um,
0: So they're not really characters introduced, but we got names of people now. Right. And I thought that was kind of interesting. We've got a little bit more insight about... The difference between the numbered ones and the behemoths, and you know that was another thing. There were no numbered, or there were no little ones mentioned in this episode. That was a welcome change because I'm not sure
1: what we would have done then. Uh, (laughs) Oh, the just there would be no puck.
0: Yeah, we would have no puck. They'd be like, "Well, where are those guys, and why have they not shown back up?" Yeah, and I wonder. I wonder if this is all the behemoths. That's got to be a question. Are there? I don't any, know. Man, that place sound like it was still loaded up with stuff. I mean, as you were, as they were pulling out of there in the vehicle, I mean, you could hear chaos still going on inside, and it's probably the zombies in there fighting over food. Right,
1: just like a lion, you know, and coming oh. upon a hyena. <laughs> and, Getting him off of the kill so he can eat.
0: Things like that, man. It's just crazy. So there's probably there's probably more we could go into discussion about, and if we decide there's enough information for a new episode, we may do that with the three week break yeah,
1: coming we up. Got three weeks in here. It's gonna be a lot of no we're alive happening. <laughs> <laughs> and They have a very deserved break. And there's no telling how much work went into this chapter. Oh man. So no, seriously, yeah, great yeah, So
0: did you did you um note any problems encountered that we haven't really covered?
1: Um not sure. not that we didn't cover. I I pretty much exhausted all my notes and I need to go back through and make more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Favorite lines? Favorite lines. Yes. Adam the always faithful favorite line submitter uh said his favorite one was from Robbins to Greg. About the three-way corridor and something about uh, not with Muldoon's mom," <laughs> he said his main muscle. Appropriate. <laughs> I don't know. I'll leave that up to Redbeard. He's got the editing duties this week. <laughs> yep. And uh, my favorite line was the, the way it ended: "Was you need to kill him, Michael, or soon there won't be any of us left."
0: I like that one. Me too that that last couple lines from Puck was pretty moving. And, but, you know, and Robbins had a pretty good one, too. He's talking about duct tape lead the way. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. That was the one that kind of chuckled me. Got me chuckled up. There was a bunch of funny I mean, ones this time. Yeah, there were. There were a lot. It was just hard to laugh about them at the time. Uh... I
1: already told you what my, my rating yeah. was. And for me and for my rating for this one is and i'm glad we had this episode because this this episode is going to set the bar from now on all future shows will be judged against this in terms of storytelling, you know, setting the mood, action and maybe even the emotional gut punch we got and i almost want to give every other five rating that i've given a drop to like 475 just to make sure that this one sits at five and I'm, it's, it's gonna be the standard until it can be surpassed, which would be really hard really hard to do, I think.
0: This one and uh, killing zombies from a helicopter exactly those are pretty incredible episodes. So that, but that this was one I mean the opener of
1: season four and this is the close of the first half of season four, so I'm excited for what we're gonna get the very next part
0: yeah the the transitions in this one and how it interweaved back and forth with you know puck's dialogue and talking with his i mean you get you could hear the injury in his voice and then that going back to the action scenes and then doing the investigation and everything else it was so well put together
1: yeah it was it was really good all right that ends our scene by scene coverage, and we've got. Not really news, but something to share. And if you haven't seen, there will be an extra week break uh, for We Are Live. So as usual, they have the, the week break in between chapters next Monday. But they're also going to take the next Monday off to, I guess, help them catch up and get caught up on some work and get caught up on some editing or whatever they've got to do. And they'll return Monday, February 24th. So look forward to that. And, of course, we'll, we'll have our next show that following Thursday that you can you can count on now we've, we've kind of mentioned a couple times that we might have a show in the next couple weeks uh we would we can't we don't want to really commit to that for sure but if we do we'll definitely throw it out on twitter and facebook and we may toy around with a like a live show test so if anybody's interested in that let us know we'd love to have a, a little bit of community feedback while covering some of the stuff and maybe have, I don't know, some kind of call-in feature. I don't know. Just, we want to try some fun things.
0: Definitely. What the heck was I going to bring up next? we are you doing? We're going into question of the week. Question of the week. The question of the week.
1: And this was presented to us, given to us by Adam Young last week. He said, if you could play any part on We're Alive, who would it be? And why would you want to play that part? The first one I'm going to read, and we've got, we've got a lot of feedback, guys. Uh, so we're, and we're going to try to cover it and talk about, talk about each one, maybe a little bit here and there. And if we didn't get to yours, I'm sorry, but we, yeah, we're going to try to cover as much as we can. The first one's from Deanna. She said, what a loaded question. I mean, do I really want to be anyone in a zombie apocalypse? Tanya? Nope. She may be turning. Hope? Nope. She has youth on her side, but half-blind. Kelly? Um, no. Uh, love the voice actress, though. <laughs> Riley? Hopelessly in love with someone you can't have while trying to deal with the apocalypse? No. Lizzie? She is doing well now, but has gone through a lot, and having a baby is hope, but also a lot of fear. Nope. CJ? Well, she is the leader, but only one leg. Nope. Nope. Which leaves, oh my, Pegs, who gets to play in the garden, have pet cows, have pet boys. I can't believe it. When it comes down to it, I would have to be Pegs. Oh, the humanity.
0: (laughs) And a moment of silence for Deanna. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Oh, don't worry. I'm going to mute you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great. Excellent choice, Deanna. Who wouldn't want to be pegs?
0: Me. <laughs> the cows. The cats. Whatever. None of the hang zombies. With, with
1: Mr. Mick Guerns and Mick Red Utters. <laughs> Good <laughs>
0: lord. See, uh, Gloria on Facebook responds to the question saying, Datu, because I love to mimic his accent. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Alyssa says, Riley, the archer, who is... Kick much. Yes. DeHavenson Wilson says uh, Riley because I was an amateur archer in college. Yeah, I know Riley's female. Uh, you'd be, DeHavenson, you'd be beautiful as Riley. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Call him with your French accent next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'd love that. Riley, like, uh sharing with a couple of these because Riley was brought up a lot. Riley is the Daryl Dixon, it seems like. <laughs>
0: That's good. I like yeah. that.
1: Matt Sawyer says, the winner. That's who we would want to be, the one that survives.
0: <laughs>
1: Not a bad one. Bad one. Uh, Jason Christian said, I'd have to say Bert. He's my favorite, and I've got some things in common with him. Well, that's pretty cool. Might be an, I wonder if he's an armor or uh, just general bad dude. Another soldier. I mean,
0: Marine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: Matthew Lamaz uh, I would like to. I would have liked to give a shot playing Tommy. He was pretty much me as a teenager minus the celiac.
0: Oh, poor dead people. <laughs> Let's see. Chris Ead said, "I want to be Pete, as Ex- expertly ch- portrayed by Greg Miller. <laughs> he has all the water bottles in the world stashed away, and it's only, it's the only currency of any value after Z Day." Says LOL. Seriously, what happened to him after he led the zombies back to the colony with Glenn in season three? Uh, the finale. Uh, he's, he just vanished. I don't know. I don't remember.
1: I uh, didn't pay that close of attention to Pete, unfortunately. Now that I know uh, he's Greg Miller,
0: I kind of want to go back and. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while. And then he follows it up and said, I wouldn't mind being Riley. Let's be honest. Archery is epic, and she's like an alcoholic (laughs) Laura (laughs) Croft. Chris Seeds says,
1: in response to my Daryl Dixon comment, he said, I'd still rather have Daryl Dixon on my side. We should do a dream team from We're Alive and The Walking Dead. Rick or Michael, Daryl or Riley, Carl or Hope, Herschel or Tanya, Glenn or Datu, Ooh. Shane or Saul, Dale or Glenn?
0: Rick or Michael? I would go with Michael. Hmm. The next one's hard. Yeah. Can I trade Daryl for Carl and keep Riley? <laughs> or trade out Daryl like get rid of Carl and Hope and keep Daryl and Riley. There we go. <laughs> Herschel or Tanya? I'll keep Tanya. Glenn or Dot, 2 Let's get rid of CJ. <laughs> keep and Cle- them both. Keep them both. Shane or Saul? Definitely Saul.
1: Yeah, Shane. That, that's the easy
0: one. That's the, that's the only easy
1: one here. And Dale or Glenn? Well, except for Carl. and hope I take Carl in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, definitely. Dale or Glenn? Hmm.
1: Glenn. Dale. Yeah, that's an easy one because you didn't like Glenn. I didn't like Glenn. Glenn from We Are Life. Right. I'd take Dale in his RV. Yes, I thought it would be a good Dale or Datu because, you know, Dale had the magic. I, I'd pick Datu in his RV. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we didn't, we didn't. I don't think we just spoiled anything from Walking Dead, do you? No. Okay. Yeah, good. Make sure not to do that. Let's see. Uh, Lisa on Facebook says, are we playing the part as an actor or as a character? If we're playing the part as an actor, I want to be Jenna or Tammy. Jenna because she's very pretty and seems really cool, and Tammy because I love forensics. If we were playing a character in the universe, I would have to be uh, Bert or Michael. I'm a diehard Michael fan, even though he's a little crazy right now, so of course, I would want to be Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I would want to be I'd want to be Bert because he's Bert and he's so bad. And sorry, I just couldn't pick one. That's hmm. fine. And uh, I'm still, I'm still a diehard Michael fan, even though he does dumb stuff every now and then.
0: Oh yeah, same here. Yeah. Well, I mean, not diehard, but I'm still a fan. Uh, I'd rather
1: have Saul lead in the group. But... Uh once you're, a, as I learned in Batman Year One, once you're a father, you can never truly be free so Saul is he'd be too tied to taking care of his family michael well
0: that's that universe this is this one <laughs> no that's <definitely laughs> the universe eh, i don't believe it <laughs> oh he's going to take he's going to be looking out for that baby more than for the needs of the group well, you know hmm i don't know that's an interesting angle i hadn't really thought about that as in that Much in regard to other people, I've thought about it for myself. but right.
1: In that previous question with Rick or Michael, I was thinking, well, if I was in Rick's family, I would, I'd pick Rick. <laughs> but Ooh. it's a harder
0: question. Oh, definitely. See, uh, Michael Patterson uh, wrote on Twitter, "I would probably want to play Angel. Lots of nerd jokes and yelling, or Muldoon cracking wise with Tony Ray." <laughs> It's a good answer, um, and um you, my, what's up? Oh, you got one,
1: yeah, okay. my answer is if I could play anybody or be anybody from where are live, it's pretty easy. I'd want to be Saul. He does a lot of cool stuff, you know he's if you think back through all the seasons he gets the girl and he still has his mom and his dog. I mean, how much better could it get in the zombie
0: apocalypse? yeah I don't, not much better, too. No. I think he's got it. Pretty well made for the moment. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think there's probably something Yeah, baby, on pretty, pretty bad coming for him. I hope not. I don't I don't want it to, but I think there will be. Yeah, I hope not. Man, I, I, you already know my answer, but if I had to pick someone else besides Datu, it would be Victor. Because that is just one of the coolest dudes on there.
1: He is. I've always liked Vic.
0: And... But that that's really about it, like not in charge, no real ambition to be in charge. just wants the help, yep, <laughs> I like that, and we've so, got uh
1: there was t- two questions brought up to us today for possible questions of the week, and since we've got two Mondays off, I figured we'd go ahead and throw both of these at you,
0: Matthew Lemouse, is that right?
1: Or Matthew Matthew. from Facebook, yeah.
0: Good old Matthew from Facebook. (laughs) This was a really hard episode to listen to. My question of the week, what was the hardest, most emotional part of this series for you to listen to? For me, there have been many moments, but I'm going to go with the first one that made me cry. Listening to Samantha die in the arena. I still get teary-eyed. That was pretty rough. Man, I feel I'm a jerk. I didn't feel anything for her, really. We didn't really. I mean, wasn't enough there at the time. Man,
1: no, I like I like Samantha Monster, especially since yeah, since you liked Dathu so much, I figured at least you'd sympathize with him. Yeah, it was. She was the
0: one for him. I I think because she died, I just didn't care. And like was she, another one to she hurt her. Heard him. Mm, Was she? Yeah. she may have been, yeah. So, gosh, I don't know. I I just, (laughs) I don't remember really feeling much of anything for her. I I need to go back and listen to it again. Yeah, she was
1: a jerk at first, but then she got, you know, she got her character turned a little bit. Oh, I'll go back and listen to that one again, just for curiosity. (laughs) No pun intended. Pretty sure she didn't get a chance to turn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, the next question. Turn around. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Next question is from Peter Bell. Uh, May I jump in with the question of the week? Well, yes, sir. Jump in. Water's fine. Will Michael accomplish what Puck tells him to do at the end of the episode? Pretty simple. Uh, Oof. And we'll look forward to your answers uh, both on Facebook and Twitter or uh, through email. We are live at nickred.com. If you want to answer these in audio form, you can. If you have a smartphone or an iPod, <laughs> you can get a voice note app or something like that and email it to We Are Live at nickred.com. So wait a minute. You're telling me iPods can connect to the internet? <laughs> and they can play Snake. <laughs> Dude, that sounds. <laughs> I'm <laughs> laughing at that because of the iPhone uh the SNL commercial where they had the iPhone 5. What was Same. it?
0: Or no, what was that one? That was great.
1: It was the iPhone that all I could do was play Snake. It was even cheaper than the 5C. <laughs> that's all I could do was play Snake. It could make phone calls. But yeah, sorry. That's not a joke on the iP- iPad, iPod people. Alright, so we have a uh Okay, so we've got a voicemail uh, from, I guess, a new listener. I'm not sure. We haven't heard from him yet. So let me go ahead and play that one.
0: Hey there, this is uh, Arnold Dean. Man, I was calling about that, their uh, ink feller. Man, he I, I really want to know what he was doing to them prisoners, man. I mean, I, I don't understand that. It's like a foreign concept to me. Man and um, Big Beard, I, I got one question for you. Why why do you sound like that there, um uh guy from the neighborhood, um uh, Mr. Rogers, uh and your fellow monotone guy, uh I I really appreciate if he could like loosen up his voice just a little bit, make it more entertaining for me, man. Uh thank you and uh shoot down your stairs before you uh have a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> oh, shoot down your stairs. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay. When you first sent me that that was my
1: reaction. Oh y- what, you didn't get it? He sent it to uh the Weird Life
0: Fancast and it I didn't see it until you said something about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think well that and I think uh I don't remember where I was at, but I don't think I had a good data connection at the time. Yep, and if you caught the uh, today's episode, you learned
1: more of what happened to those prisoners. <laughs> Mr. Arnold, I think it was. Yes. But, all right. Hilarious. Very good. Thanks for calling in and giving, giving us that audio feedback. Big beard. I mean, um, <laughs> thank you for the feedback. <laughs> I, I, I can barely be more monotone than I always am. Alright. Okay. What, what, what's your not monotone voice? Do that one real quick. What is what is my not monotone voice? I don't know. I don't know either.
0: It's hey guys! Comforting. We got
1: us another. Uh, yeah. listen, Facebook Facebook post from Clam. I don't even know where to begin. Number one, it is commonly known it's a commonly known secret that I enjoy these episodes from We're Alive which don't heavily rely on action. And 42.3 is one such
0: episode. You really messed me up there. I was like, where in the world did all that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Brett Newton, Puck. No, 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 sorry.
1: Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, never mind. I thought you were reading off feedback from a a listener named Brett Newton. Then I realized you're reading part two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even said. Part two, or number 2 a jerk. No, no, stop that! Oh. What?
1: Oh, please continue. I'm a jerk. Stop that. What? I was saying I was a jerk, yeah. Oh, no. For, like, interrupting you and you were doing the right thing. You're good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> number two, Brett Newton, Puck. Did an amazing job in astonishing voice acting. Really, that was really good. I, st- I started to like Puck as a character a lot. But number 42-3, or 42 part 3, pushed my acceptance for this character beyond its limits. Doing two things simultaneously: the pack leader in the flashback scenes on the one side, and on the other, the wounded emo. Mm.
1: It's late. It's getting so late. It is so
0: late. The pack leader. <laughs> <laughs> the pack leader in the flashback scenes on the one side and on the other the wounded and emotional victim and survivor of the catastrophe is a feat and mr newton was really good doing so to quote him effing believable right
1: it was good and i'm looking forward to him hopefully finishing out these next six chapters alive number 3 in his and in, a in, uh, clems Message here is obviously the symbols ink is written down in radon labs as well as received as tattoos seem to serve certain purposes as well. They seem to mark certain areas of the jail. The question would be, what do different symbols symbolize? As and I think we covered a lot of that earlier. I tried to because with that with, without a whole lot of answers.
0: And it's a swag.
1: Yeah. And he continues, are they linked to certain inmates or certain measures to mutate humans into monsters or something completely different? And now, something completely different. Like, <laughs> I think it's probably musical notes for the musical episode. That's the yes. Easter egg.
0: See what happens is Zink goes down and he slaps on the cage on the different notes <laughs> and they have to make they have to sing those different notes to create the song. Yes. <laughs> Say number four Did Puck's final words in Chapter 42 part 3 Mark the point in the show where the beginning Of the end is introduced
1: I think it further along's, uh The final words From the end of season 3 Where Michael's like we have to go after them And they've been doing that And Puck's like No we really gotta go after them Or we're done <laughs> Yeah very frightening uh number 5 on Clem's list here is if behemoths are able to crash through walls within the jail would they also be able to crash through the fortifications of the colony you got it
0: <laughs> absolutely and i continue just not dathu's with... not Jotu's door though right i think he oh, that's 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 <laughs> can move it but nobody else <laughs>
1: He also asks, does Ink prepare another attack? If, if he wants to kill them all, I think he could at this point. I don't I don't know why he doesn't. I don't know why he would have waited for so long to begin with. Other than what he does to Puck at the end here, which is like smile at him and it's like,
0: I'm toying with you. This is fun for me. And, that, and that's the only reason I still think that there may be a faction. Uh, are a clash, you know, clash between the two different factions. Like, in, like, Ink's thinking that the enemy of my enemy
1: being possibly Randy is my friend. Yeah. And so they're, he's hoping the
0: survivors take out Randy. Maybe. Or the other way around. Cause it was Randy with those bottles labeled. Yeah. I don't know. It, his own. it just seems like that Ink would have already attacked the colony at this point. There's something keeping them there, and I don't know what that is. Right.
1: I see number. I agree. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Number six. Now with the mata gun gone, not gone, and little ammo reserves available, with what means would be would the survivors try to bring down ink and the remaining Zoms? And more importantly, how would Michael and folks convince CJ to support such an action? Well. The Modigun is still around. Uh, it's only used in ball bearings, so they're not too hard to come by. Yeah, if you remember, in last chapter, uh,
1: they recovered it. It was right next to Puck, leaning up against the truck. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't hear a lot about it at the very end of this episode, but it, we do know that the survivors have it.
0: And Doctor's done a pretty good job of explaining how it works and, all that to a couple different people. So, and there's a possibility that he can make some more before he kicks the bucket or not (laughs) and lives forever. And I think CJ's shared interest in the details of what happened to Puck and the soldiers at the jail kind of puts a glimmer of hope that she will support uh, them going after Ink. But it needs to be well thought out. Not a stereotypical Michael runs off the cuff and does something on his own. Right. Chasing things on alleyways. Have to agree.
1: Next uh, listener tweet is from Holly, and this is about last week. She agreed about Bert. He had a... Val
0: problem. (laughs) (laughs) He had a moment where he was not the nicest of people. Yeah, Chris on Twitter, good old JK West... Uh, in the way that people say about Daryl from The Walking Dead, if he does, they riot. I say the same thing about Puck. <laughs> save Puck. Uh, hashtag save Puck.
1: Doofus Monkey says, I gave you a five-star review, but Stitcher doesn't make it easy. This is where, and he would let us know where Stitcher hides the reviews, and thank you for that. Did you ever find it? I could never bring it up. I went to look at it, but maybe there's like a approval process, because it didn't maybe. show up. I saw where it was where it was supposed to be, and it said there was no reviews. But I think that
0: it just maybe didn't make it through their approval for some reason. I'm bringing it up right now. Stitcher's kind of a weird animal. I wish I knew a little bit more about it.
1: Right. There are some people listening to it. Oh. We're part of a few different playlists on there.
0: It actually is showing up now. Oh, it is? Great. Yeah, let me go ahead and read that real quick. Oh, sure. His review on... Doofus Monkey's review on Stitcher. Great weekly summary of theories and news This is a great weekly summary of the We're Live podcast. Every Thursday I can count on an episode to discuss the latest theories and news. This podcast is also family friendly. Lately they have gotten some great interviews from actors, actresses, and producers of the show. If you are like me and can't get enough of We're Live, The Zombie Tale of Survival Podcast, this then this podcast is the perfect thing to hold you over until the next episode is released. Hey, man, thanks. Yeah. It's a, it's a good
1: review. Thanks, Doofus. Uh, next tweet is from Regan. He says, I had a bad feeling about Robbins, but you guys gave me hope talking about... talking of possible survivors last week. Bleep!
0: <laughs> uh, you know, here in a minute, we got a, uh, Adam's got a few little theories out there, and hopefully they hold some water, because it it would uh, be uh, with Robin surviving. And and I'm going to hold out hope. Right. Why not? Why not? Because I can, Casey. Because I can. (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) You're going to have to send his head in a box.
0: (laughs) Uh, Metaphorically speaking. Regan says, so far, hands down, most emotional scene in We're Alive. What is IMO? In my opinion. In my opinion. Datu losing Samantha, a close second. And Matt Sawyer writes in and says, oh my god. No longer grumpy.
1: Now's it's in reference uh, <laughs> to, he called himself grumpy in some feedback last week. Yeah.
0: About the details and the story progressing. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Wanting more action, maybe. Good people, Matt. And the last,
1: last piece that I have here is from DeHaventon Wilson. It says Ink seems different from other zombies, as if he's not fully turned. He is still smart. Tanya remarks about him being able to conduct experiments and using control subjects. Also, Puck emphasizes Ink's eyes when he talks about him knowing what he is doing. Remember back to chapter 11, part 1, when Michael gets a close-up look at Ink? He states that Ink has green eyes, not the cloudy, glassed-over eyes of the other zombies. FYI, the Inkling, number 2, had normal color eyes, normal colored eyes, brown, according to Tanya's autopsy, chapter 32, part 2. Hmm. Very nice. (laughs) I didn't remember any of that stuff looking back, but it's good to have it now.
0: That I'm gonna have to watch for that. That's pretty interesting. I haven't thought about that. I didn't even notice the eye thing before.
1: No, I me mean, neither. Except I mean, lately when you heard heard they're going cloudy, yeah, with their turning, that's good stuff. But apparently ink didn't go cloudy. Neither did the inklings. So, or the little ones. Here we go
0: from Adam. Now I have not read this through, so I mean I, I've read it, but I haven't read it kind of. A dialogue in my head, so I may have some corrections here and there. Okay. So Adam on Twitter writes, "Robin, Robin's actually survived that. If you uh, if you listen to the end of that scene, that he quote unquote dies in, you can hear him in the background regenerating. <laughs> he uses his man muscle powers to gain the Time Lord's regeneration power." <laughs> Then he used his Blackhawk to travel back in time to save Maldoon. Oh. And Carl. Trust me, that was all in the background. If you want more amazing theories like that one, don't hesitate to ask. Fantastic. Oh, but wait, there's more, because I asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, All my theories are backed by cold, hard, completely legitimate sources. <laughs> My theories are just as real as Cameron's actual "We're Alive" cover art. <laughs> Cameron is the—he uh, wrote the stick; fi- he drew the stick figure art. That's freaking great. It says one if my theory that Michael died in the first chapter, and the whole thing is his way of dealing with his death. <laughs> holy crap!
1: He says, uh, "Believe me, I've seen podcasts get one starred for." For dumb, old spoilers from 20-year-old movies.
0: Okay, I'm going to edit all of that out. But seriously, please let there be one person that listens to this podcast that has not watched Lost yet. Please come to me. I'm going to tell you right now, don't watch the last season at all. <laughs> Just leave it out and you'll be happier knowing than, than not knowing the end. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so Adam says, one, if my theory that Michael died in the first chapter and this whole thing is his way of dealing with his death and that he died from ODing on drugs when that girl invited him to her party, oh, (laughs) the entire story is just his drug-fueled dream right before his heart gives out. Supporting evidence, Michael tells Saul that he used to use chloroform to get high. At the beginning of every season, he says, I never used to fear death or what might lay on the other side. If today is my day, but that was then and this is now. He says, this because he is afraid of dying and he knows his body is dying from the drugs. Isaac Roberts is the doctor seeing him. Bert is a fellow patient. Same with Lizzie, pregnant. CJ in her leg. This also explains why most of the Towerites don't talk, because his mind wasn't clever enough to create that many people. How was that one? <laughs> well, holy crap. It's more likely
1: than a bunch of zombies taking over the world. Well, Adam, <laughs>
0: if you are right, uh, you, you will be rewarded. You'll send him a, send him a solitary beard hair. <laughs> no, no, I, he'll get something. I'm gonna, I, I will obtain something special for that theory. <laughs> that that is huge, and uh, I don't know if he's seen any of Casey's uh, film work, but that does kind of play into a similar YouTube video that is floating around out there. Hmm. So, um. If this builds upon that and that's the truth there, I don't know if I could really be sad with that when they're mad or anything. That's really cool. Man. I don't know. If you came up with all that on your own, Adam, That big props to you. Yeah, That's, that's cool.
1: It's a very fun fan theory. And speaking of, there was a really neat Cracked article recently that was like five fan theories that are way cooler than the actual fiction. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it's a it's a decent read. I like that. Well, we thank you again for listening to the Weird Life Fancast. We've had a blast covering this first half of season four, and we're really looking forward to this next half leading into the series finale, unfortunately, in July.
0: <laughs> no. I'm not I'm not ready for it to end. No, anyway.
1: Don't get lost over the next three weeks. Make sure you have a duct tape path leading back to our podcast. Drop it. Drop it down here.
0: Drop it like it's hard. Yes. Very awesome. Eleven. To your mother.
1: <laughs> That's right. You look like Superman. That's right. Poor Henry Cavill doesn't stand a chance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have your intake, or your take. <laughs> have your intake. I want to have your take on what I'm gonna say okay. next. Okay,
1: go ahead. So I, don't, I
0: don't hear the. Mm, mm. well, music. Buzzing? That's my jam. Really? You're sensitive about that? I mean, that's the reason we lock them away. Say what? Little big-eyed bald
1: creature. Yeah, those bearded guys. I'm telling you,
0: lock lock them away. (laughs) (laughs) It's been asked a couple times whose beard is longer. (laughs) I was like a laugh,
1: (laughs) like half laugh, coughing here. That's hilarious.
0: That's a nervous laugh. You're just scared. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's not (coughs) nervous. Yes. Look up double bearded.
1: <laughs> I like a lot of the stuff he you said you're gonna edit out. Oh
0: well now I don't know what I, what to edit out. Just oh, oh just stuff that I, I said I was going to. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bring back the spandex. Dang, my brain is not working. It is getting way too late. I was not crying.
1: <laughs>
0: hey <laughs> fat Jesus.
1: Mick red
0: udders pod people what is uh, on f king i was not crying